0: On the Daily Sports Talk Show. Now
2: is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: with just the results of sports but been a minute since my phone was on fire burning up with breaking news but it is because we had some just a couple of minutes before this show nuana is now espn radio as well as swx montana television i'm coulter nuana's broadcasting to you live from the northwest motorsports studio northwest motorsport new to missoula go check them out corner of stevens and mount you can also find them online at nwmsrocks.com that's NWMSRocks.com. Hardly got any time today to get to everything we need to get to. Right at the top, we're going to be joined by Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. will can talk all things crazy transfer portal, including the breaking news of the day Matt McKay, Montana State's starting quarterback for the duration of this season, out. Announces that he is transferring. Put his name in the portal this afternoon, and uh, he's on the move. I have confirmed with multiple sources that he will not play. On Saturday, he is no longer a part of the Montana State program. So, there's a lot more to this, but most of it's going to have to be reported uh, a little later on. But as of right now, Matt McKay out at Montana State. So, we'll talk FCS playoffs when it comes to both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. Also going to talk a little Big Sky Conference hoops. League season opens tonight across the league. Top of the hour. Mike is going to join us. Second time in a couple weeks. The big human. Long time Big Sky Conference coach. Guy was the head coach for almost 20 years in this league. Made stops at Eastern Washington, Montana State, and Idaho State. He's been keeping tabs on the big sky on the SES playoffs, so he'll give us some insight into what he's seen. And our good friend Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, is going to swing by as well. Full disclaimer off the top here. I recorded this lead segment with my brother, Brooks Duanez, yesterday. So about 90% of the analysis in here is uh, is what it is, and hopefully you, you think it's great. We did talk a little bit about the Bobcat offense in reference to Matt McKay. That was before we knew he was going to transfer. It's before we knew he was no longer a part of that team. So when you get there, it's not that we're not uh, paying attention to the news. And uh, I might even, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, we, this happened, this breaking news happened like 15 minutes before the show. So we did not have a chance to re-edit any of this stuff. So, uh, Just full disclaimer, there might be a little bit of talk about Matt McKay as the current Bobcat quarterback rather than the former Bobcat quarterback, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. A little dual purpose going on right now because... Our next guest here on both Nuana's Now and the Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuanas Got some stuff going on. Just moved to town, so now officially a Missoulian again. I know that's a point of great joy for many people, and maybe some people are sad to see him gone from Bozeman, but either way, happy to have him here, both on ESPN Radio as well as the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. And hey, what's up, man? It's, uh, it's been a busy month, including a bunch of awesome football games that we've gotten to cover, but how you doing? How you living?
2: I'm good, man. It's yeah, it's a busy life, a, little, a busy month. But that's how it goes. That's what I signed up for. Uh, Things are very good. Football has been awesome. Um, And now here we sit, December 1st, a bunch of playoff
0: football ahead of us. And, you know, it's only seven degrees outside. So uh, things are good. Unbelievable. 68 degrees what my car said here. We're recording this on a Wednesday. we got to tell you that we're pre-recording stuff these days. Uh, But, yeah, 68 degrees in the Garden City on a Wednesday. Pretty amazing. Um, I don't really even want to go into the why. It's just a strange thing that's happening right now now uh in our little world here in western montana but here nor there uh brooks we've talked a lot about the rivalry game here both on nuanas now and on uh, the big Sky breakdown so far both leading up to it and then recapping it but we just wanted to get uh, some of your general takeaways i mean what were the key factors in montana's 29 to 10 victory for you and and what did you think of the result i mean what was it some people i think were surprised some people were unsurprised well, where were you at this in terms of uh how this lived up to what you maybe thought was going to happen
2: well, I think that there was a lot of factors that were surprising, but the overall, you know, win loss total, Grizz win, Cats lose, not that surprising. I think it was really even game going into it. Um, I thought the fashion that it was, you know, played out in was a little bit surprising. I thought that Montana State would have some success. I thought they'd have a touchdown drive, you know, that wasn't on the last two minutes. You know, I thought that they would probably score the, the football one time. Uh, and maybe, you know, one time we get a field goal and the Grizz score once and it's a low-scoring game. The Grizz offense really, really played a, an awesome game and it was a great game plan. So, you know, I think that that's what played into it a lot was that, you know, kind of what we call those scripted plays. That first 15 to 20 plays of the game for Montana Grizzlies went really, really well. Um, and we had talked about this extensively, Colter, between you and I, but the 4 5 defense that Montana State runs doesn't have a ton of weakness, but it does it does. Have a couple flaws, and, and one of those is is the running back catching the ball out of the backfield, and and, and it kind of how those how that looks for that that set of two linebackers can kind of get mixed up when you're dealing with slot players and tight ends like Montana uses. Who's the responsibility with that running back uh, coming out of the backfield, and that played out really in The second play of the game, with junior Burger scoring a really long touchdown that set the tone for the rest of the afternoon. Um, so Montana looked really good. Uh, I thought they had a good game plan and, like Coach Hogue says, we practiced real well this week and uh, you know like to watch our guys play hard. Uh, so everything everything played out really well for Montana and not for Montana State. Montana State played poorly uh, on offense, on defense, special teams was not you know electric by any means. So Montana State did not have a very good day. Uh, but that rivalry at times, especially when the when the momentum swings, that'll happen. Uh, that's definitely how it played out.
0: No question, and I think that's the key factor in the aftermath of this game is just the reaction that both teams have to it because they both still are playoff season. They're both still top eight teams in the United States and uh, still both have playoff runs in front of them if they choose to make them and if they have the ability to make them, but I think both teams do have the ability to at least advance uh, into the final eight at least. I mean, that's been the expectation, sort of the bare minimum baseline uh, moving forward, but before we get into some of the playoff scenarios and and, uh, that element of this, what did you think of the factors on the Montana State side of things that made them uh, maybe not live up to billing? I mean, there's obviously the tangible ones like Isaiah Fonse being banged up and T.J. Session, the big right tackle, being out. But there was also some, some systematic errors, maybe even some some coaching flaws uh, that took place as well. So, I mean, where are we at with just the Cats? Because they, they were the best that they could be in the rivalry game four years in a row under Jeff And I just know that there's a lot of people that follow Montana State that are a little concerned, even though, and that's sort of the story of this rivalry, particularly on the Bobcat side of things, is is the game is of the utmost, the, the paramount most importance. And so, uh, even a just a loss to the rival on the road in a hostile environment, for some at least, can overshadow what was a, already a, a great season for Montana State, a nine-win season for the Bobcats.
2: Yeah, you know, it, uh, it unfortunately, or maybe it is fortunately, it does overshadow some of their season. Um, Montana State's played really well this year. They've had some astounding wins where they've been, you know, rolling people, just absolutely dis trucking people. They, they they play, you know, pretty well, but not outstanding, and they, they're winning 42-10. to 10. I mean, they, they've been crushing people at times. So, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't totally overshadow their season, though I do understand, you know, the weight of the, and the gravity of, of that game. So Montana State, I, I do think, Colton, those two, injuries specifically uh, with Isaiah Fonse and TJ Sessions being out. Fonse looked banged up. I mean, you can say what you want about it. You know, I've mentioned it several times on, on this show about how Isaiah Fonse is one of the best players in the country. Uh, I've seen him play 25, 30 football games in his college career. And he's a darn good player, and this year he was a top-five running back yardage-wise in the country, and he was by far the best player of Montana State's offense um, in many different facets. So I think it was clear that he looked pretty banged up. When you when you reference the coaching, um, you know, the, 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 both offensive coordinators for Montana, Montana State, and Freddie Banks on defense and House run on offense. I've never coached this game. And the same as Brett Vegan, at head coach. I do think it really plays a huge role. Was Jeff Chone able to come in and, and ride the lightning? Yeah. I mean, he got that, that first win and, and some momentum build, and all of a sudden they were playing with a lot of house money there by year three and year four. And his coaching staff, I do think, probably didn't prepare exactly for the amount of pressure they were going to see from the Montana Christian defense, and that definitely played a huge factor into to the results of the game. And, and it, you know, it, it's more of an oversight than I think it is an error. I don't think sure. necessarily in-game the play calling was really off. Um, I think it was more of what they thought they were going to get. They got none of that. Um, so it was a little bit more of a preparation issue, in my opinion, at least
0: from the sidelines when I was watching. Brooks Nuanas here on Nuanas Now, as well as the big scat breakdown, joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line for listening on ESPN radio. And, uh, you know, I think that that's the dichotomy of the situation, right? Is that Jeff Choate knew a lot about the rivalry before he took the job at Montana State, he also knew his golden ticket to be almost invincible within his tenure at Montana State was to win the rivalry game as often as possible, and then he was able to go undefeated in it. Uh, Only Bobcat coach to do that, period. And that gives him a certain esteem amongst the fan base and amongst the followers and the supporters and all that. Uh, But I mean, I guess there was maybe too high of a priority put on it. It's hard to say that because they made the Final Four in 2019, but it's just a fascinating dynamic that's going to linger forever because there is so much passion behind it, but there's also so much irrationality behind it as well, but uh, certainly just for the, the balance of the rivalry, the health of the rivalry, I, I think that long streaks, streaks of longer than two, three, four games is, is not necessarily great. I think it builds up a lot of vitriol and a lot of negativity on one side or the other and also maybe skews the priority on one side or the other, so uh, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting factor to see the way that this thing has all played out, but now here we are with the playoffs on the horizon, so to me, can the Grizz use this as a launching point to make a run? Can the Bobcats erase it, use it as motivation, and re-spark themselves for the season? It seems like it's a similar storyline just with the opposite side of the coin on each side. So not necessarily what do you predict, but how important is it for uh, the, each of the teams to use the result in ways that can benefit them uh, moving forward now with the playoffs, uh, beginning in Montana both on Friday night with uh, Montana hosting Eastern Washington and then Saturday with Montana State hosting Tennessee Martin?
2: Well, you know, I think a momentum is really hard to carry for more than, you know, a couple days. Uh, So the fact that they both got buys is probably good for one team and maybe bad for the other. Um, And that all could be a wash, you know, maybe none of that's true. But I do think that Montana State probably benefits from getting a buy there. Uh, Sometimes when you lose, you want to come out and, and, uh, you know, get the bad taste out of your mouth as fast as possible and go back out and play again. And I think a lot of that's a little bit earlier in the season. I think at this point in the season with some of the injuries and, and, uh, you know, the, the general wear that they have on their bodies at this point, I think it's probably positive for Montana State to get a bye there. And for Montana, you know, I think you beat the heck out of the Cats and you probably want to stare down Eastern on a Friday night, the very next week. That sounds pretty awesome, but that's not the case. That's not how it played out. Uh, So, you know, Montana probably is just as banged up as anybody. Uh, That's just kind of the nature of the beast at this time of year. So that buy probably helps them. I don't know how much momentum necessarily carries through a 13, 14-day practice schedule with, you know, no actual live action. Both of them, again, it could be even money on on both sides. But I do think the buy probably generally benefits both teams. And, And gosh, you know, I mean, Montana will truly have no issue getting up, uh, you know, for a Friday night game against what is a rival in the Big Sky Conference in Eastern Washington. Um, I don't think that will be an issue for the Montana Grizzlies and, and for the Bobcats. You know, I mean, it's a, it's it's not a familiar opponent. Which at times in the FCS we've seen that be challenging, but usually it's not challenging for the team at home. Usually a team from across the country who has never traveled to a place like Montana State in Bozeman, Montana, uh, ends up getting a little bit more than they than, than they uh, than they wanted in, in those kind of settings. So I think that's kind of how it will play out this weekend. I don't. T- uh, Ut Martin is a very talented team. Um, clearly, with a with a big playoff win, this Missouri State. But you know, I think Montana, Montana State do have a little bit of, of general mo- momentum with the seasons they put together and coming off the bye weekend. These matchups.
0: Well, we'll start with the first of the two because it happens Friday night, 7 p.m. in Missoula and number four, Eastern Washington versus number five, Montana. Pretty funny because when these two teams played earlier in the year, it was four versus six. And that was the highest cumulative ranking that the two teams had had ever in their long history playing each other. So now that's up one notch, even though both teams have lost a couple times since then, including when Eastern Washington beat Montana 34-28 back in Cheney on October 3rd. Bobby Houck, though, even though the rematches in the playoffs are very rare... Bobby Houck has been a part of these many times. Uh, he's had five different times when he's played a team in the regular season and then again in the postseason. The opposite of what happened in the regular season has happened to each of those five previous matchups. 2004, Montana lost to Sam Houston State on the road, beat him at home in the playoffs. 2008, Lost to Weber State at home, beat them in the playoffs. Uh, 2005, beat Cal Poly, a number three ranked in the country Cal Poly team. This is before they joined the Big Sky Conference. But then lost to the Mustangs at home. In the playoffs. And then uh, in 2019, Montana uh, beat Weaver State and then a couple weeks later lost in Ogden to the Wildcats. So rematches have been so rare for Big Sky Conference teams. Eastern's only ever had one. It was against Montana in 2014. That was when Houck was not there. Montana State's only ever had one. That was back in 1976. Uh, Sac State's never had any because Sac State's only ever played one playoff game. Uh, but what do you think of that dynamic, Brooks? Just the fact that this is the second time these teams have played and it, it just seems as if it's a pretty linear your result. The team that won in the regular season has a hard time taking care of business in the postseason.
2: Well, I think that you know, the stat department needs a serious raise. That's why they pay you the big bucks, Coco. That's a lot of dates and a lot of research there. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good stuff. Um, well, five for five, right? I mean, that's looking pretty good for the Grizzlies, but You know, I I don't know how much it matters. I think the familiarity uh, is really, it is important when you're playing like opponents. It It is something you can lean on it is something that you're going to go out and there's going to be some matchups in these games where these players are quite familiar with one another. I mean, think that, that's, a, it, it makes for great football. If, if there's chemistry that you can be had between two top opposing teams, I think that that, that is how you make it happen. Uh, you know, I remember that 2008 we were uh, State regular season and playoff game and those were, those were lights out games. I mean, those were smash mouth. I mean, the Grizz stalled to the playoffs, but those were smash mouth real deal big boy football. I think that's what we're, we're going to see again, you know. Um, I think the Grizz have uh, a pretty bad team Chasing their mouth after you know beating a, a, a team like Washington to start the season and then you know really being on a on a really nice run and running into Eastern and, and losing on a last second you know hail mary attempt with with, with Chris Brown and their quarterback and you know, I think that that Montana games at Eastern everything that they could handle that 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 night there in Cheney I think they're very excited to play them again um, from my perspective so I think the rematch thing is is definitely I think it's cool you know I think it's awesome I think it's something that uh, we could see in the SEC in the college football playoff where you see a team play, you know, once in the regular season and maybe play again in the playoff and, and stuff like that to me is really intriguing. It makes for really competitive football, um, which is, you know, what we all hope for and sign up for. I don't see it really being impossible to be a, a, a major blowout, but you never know because in the FCS at this level, uh, things can, can can go into an absolute tailspin quickly. But Eastern is a darn good team. So Montana will surely have their hands full again a Friday night at home. I mean, gosh, you got to expect they're to be quite the crowd. Montana,
0: especially on defense, the style that they play, isn't necessarily one where it's a huge chess match or a ton of adjustments pregame or in-game are even made. They kind of do what they do, send the house, bring the heat, hit you in the face, and hope for the best. That said, is, is just running it back, is that good enough for Montana if they want to take down this Eastern Washington offense?
2: Well, I don't think it is. You know, I think that a team like Montana State, we talked earlier, Colter, there about um, how, you know, what was the maybe the coaching error. I think the coaching error was to think that Montana's could do something different on defense. Right. It's um, exactly you know, right. I don't. I, I don't think that they are going to do anything different. I don't even know enough? if they
0: can is the thing.
2: Right. And I got a term for you. You know, what, what, what the, what the offensive of minds, the NFL call, what the critics run it. They call it casino. They call it full go cards on the table. Right. Uh, you're, you're not hiding anything. So the casino defense is, is uh, it's, it's lit, man. I mean, they get after it and I, I don't know why they would get away from it. You know, I, I think that their best chance to win is to, is to play into their identity and their identity has been clearly defined. It's, it's not a schematic thing. You know, I mean, they, They bring beautiful pressure. Pressure. Kent Bear. I mean, if you like football and you like drawing it up and you like guys hitting the hole right. I mean, gosh, they. It is plenty detailed and plenty schematics, but it has so much to do with mentality. Um, Yeah, you're you're hitting that. You're hitting that a gap. You're hitting that. You know, whatever whatever your blitz responsibility is, you're well aware of it before. And you got to get. You got to get to the point. Um, so that kind of defense, uh, uh, when it becomes the identity of your entire football team, I don't see why you don't want to get away from it. I do think that the way that they play that third safety, which oftentimes is Garrett Graves or Nash Vouch, yeah. really, you know, Robbie Howe doesn't really play in the nickel very much. But that kind of hybrid nickel spot plays a little deeper than a traditional nickel, but is still kind of in that safety position. It's almost like a rover, which I don't really like that term unless it really is specific to a style of defense. But that player needs to be a, a, a different style of, of, of leverage. They need to be able to run or, or disrupt the seam a little bit differently because on the outside, those corners are playing really well for Montana. And that's where they took some shots against Eastern was kind of, you know, a, a, a deep route that goes up the sideline, but cuts back to the middle, you know, more of a deep post action. Yeah. Um, so that that safety is playing that nickel spot needs to figure out, you know, how to carry that seam a little bit better, how to disrupt that a little bit better. And that starts a lot with without front get home too. So I don't think they do a whole lot different. Maybe, you know, I, I don't think it would hurt to have that strong or that free safety you take two steps back. You know, um, stuff like that could be small adjustments. But I think for the for the TV angle, what we'll all see as fans and, and and spectators will be mostly a look a lot the same.
0: You want us now, ESPN Radio. Basic that breakdown. Brooks Nuana is joining us. I don't want to sound like I'm belying I'm how complicated Montana's defense is because it's, in fact, very exotic. They have uh, as many different types of pressures. I'm just saying the identity is not going to change. But I think the number one thing that's going to change for the Montana defense in this game is just the players, the personnel. You start up front. Joe Badros is going to play in this game. He wasn't available the first game. He's a more athletic guy on the edge that can do some of that zone dropping. It's not necessarily even the pass rush he's going to give you on the edge spot although that he is good at that as well but it's more just like the athleticism he can get taking Dennis Merritt away on the swing pass out of the backfield or at least a little bit more effectively things like that but then you also look at in the secondary Gavin Robertson was unavailable and Robertson is a fine cover guy but he's a great box safety but his presence then lets you play Garrett Graves and Nash Vouch a little bit more in coverage and that's an advantage for Montana as well and then the final thing worth mentioning is that Justin Ford got a ton of credit and a ton of accolades and deservedly so with his eight interceptions, first team all league, newcomer of the year, the big sky, all that. But then if you were listening on Tuesday, we had Corbin Walker on the show, sophomore corner. And he's the guy that went from kind of the third, fourth corner to now the guy who's been the lockdown guy on the other side. And he hasn't he doesn't have any statistical production because he's been shut down he's been shut down that side of the field. And Bobby Hawk has said it. I mean, Corbin Walker has 14 tackles this year and he has, I think, three pass breakups because people don't throw at him. (laughs) And so it seems ironic, right? But Bobby Houck has made the comment multiple times that the ball was kind of finding Justin Ford. Make no mistake, he's a ball hawk for sure. He's made some great plays. He also had a couple interceptions fall into his hands. But the point is that opposing quarterbacks are throwing at that side more than they're throwing on the other side because Cord Walker's been so good. And that's been an emergence since the Eastern Washington game. Walker played a lot in that Eastern game, but he's really become the go-to guy on that other side. So I do think just the personnel upgrades are going to be probably the biggest addition for Montana uh, defensively. But to me, the whole key to this game comes down on the other side of the ball, and it has to do with can Montana's offense find any semblance of flow because they've had times when they've been not great so far this year and uh, very inconsistent, lack of creativity, pretty predictable. And Eastern's defense, although they have this reputation as not being very good, they have good personnel. I think Joshua Jerome, the big D tackle on the inside, is a very good player. I think that Jack Settelbach and Kalen Kreiner and I mean they, and Mitch Johnson, they have several guys that are all-league caliber type guys, and those guys all did land on the all-league team. So when you're talking about matchups versus matchups, I actually think that Eastern Washington's defense is not that overwhelmed by Montana's offense only because Montana's offense has been so mediocre this year. So what do you think of that element of this matchup?
2: Yeah, I mean they, they they found their stride against Montana State, but it could also be an anomaly. I mean they've struggled to run the football, and offense has not been as outstanding by any means. I mean they've had several games they've scored in thirties where they've scored one off at the touchdown. And I think it's a concern. I mean I thought they got it really dialed up. I, I loved what they ran. Like I mentioned, those first twenty scripted plays against Montana State, or so I thought. I thought that was some really good stuff. They dialed it up, and that uh, you know they had they had an idea of what they wanted to do, and, and that that's really important. I think when they get a little bit off script. Is, is where they really struggled, right? I mean, when they get to third and seven and or third and long in general and, and they don't, you know, first and second down isn't a lot of success, not a high success rate, they're they're really struggling in those positions. They're, they're not having a bunch of guys step up and make big-time plays, uh, and a lot of that is just due to the fact that they can't find a rhythm. You know, if you go three and out here and there two, three times in the first five possessions of a game, it's really hard to find a semblance of rhythm. I think that's something that they've struggled with throughout the entire season, so I think that they got a little bit back on track against Montana State realizing that, you know, hey, maybe we should throw it to the running back uh, on first and second down a little bit instead of just trying to hand it off between the tackles because that has not been all that successful. But you also got to think, you know, throughout this the season, especially with young players, especially with freshmen, guys get better. You know, I think we talk a lot about the attrition of, and, of injury and just generally how wearing and tiring football is. We don't talk a ton about how on a Tuesday in week 14, You can get coached up, and you can get better. You know, I mean, it's a real, real aspect of football that I think is is definitely overlooked, especially with young players in college. A guy like Junior Bergen, you know, he could have a game where he watches the film, and the and the light turns on. You know, it clicks. Mm -hmm. That's a huge. That's a huge thing. And I think that that started to happen with some guys. And it's always going to fall back. And you know, it's not it's not the shiny rock syndrome that I always talk about. It's not that I really truly think that every time the quarterback steps on the field, he's the most important guy. He's a Trigger guy for the offense. But for Montana, the leadership and the ability for Cam Humphrey to play at a high level is really important to their offense. He's a great leader. He has the skill set to really be a good player in the FCS and take a team pretty far. I've mentioned it. I think he has the ability to take a team to a national championship, at least to to, to compete for one. But when he's off and he's not playing well, that hurts his leadership influence and it also hurts their team in general. Not that they're a completely quarterback driven team at all, with a little bit of the rack whack of the run game. They need some inspiration and a little bit of spark from that position, and being the quarterback position. So, I do think that it's an important aspect. We could talk with John Blue, in the face Colter, about forcing targets to Samia Kim, about targeting the tight end more. Which I, clearly they started to do with Cole Grossman, starting to have kind of a breakout second half of the season. But those things are here nor there if the quarterback's not playing well, is not playing confident. Uh, I think that's probably where it all starts there. But the improvement of young guys like Junior Bergen could be a real, you know, a, a, a real game changer for this Montana.
0: Offense. is now. Big Sky breakdown. Brooks Nuwana is joining us. A couple more things for you, Brooks. Before we get you out of here, on the other side, Montana State's got a home game that's become sort of status quo. That's what these guys are used to. This group of guys that play for the Bobcats—they had a home game in 2018, two more in 2019. Now they got Tennessee Martin coming to town. Second ever playoff appearance for the Skyhawks. They got their first playoff win last week, 32-31 at Missouri State. A big upset. No matter who you're talking to. And the first playoff winning program history for the Skyhawks. They got a veteran roster. They got some SEC transfers on there. Uh, They got a guy from Alabama who was formerly one of the top five recruits in the country uh, before having discipline issues with both the Crimson Tide and Houston. Um, But also a team from the Ohio Valley. We've seen the Ohio Valley uh, over the years in the playoffs. A league that seems to be defined by. Great athletes, guys that can really run. Uh, a lot of raw-boned and just raw in general prospects, uh, but usually not the size, especially on the in the trenches that you see from the teams in the Big Sky, in the Missouri Valley, especially the Montana schools, the Dakota schools. Uh, but Montana State, and they're two touchdown favorite in this thing, and I think that this group is a group that if they can just recapture the belief in themselves, which I believe that they they never lost. I think that they just got punched in the mouth in Missoula. It's a veteran group, a really talented group, and I, I do think actually, all things considered, when the FCS playoff bracket all played out, they actually got the best draw at anybody, because even though they are on the same side as the number one seed, Sam Houston, uh, I do I don't think Sam Houston's quite as good as maybe north dakota state or james madison or even um south dakota state who's unseated i I just think that there's some tougher teams than sam houston in the bracket maybe they're seated a little bit lower maybe not even seated at all so uh the bobcats in this draw i mean what do you think of this it seems actually to me if they can bury the hatchet from what happened in missoula it's a golden opportunity and they have a chance to make a run
2: Absolutely, man. But like you mentioned, I mean, UT Martin is uh, a big win against Missouri State. I I didn't really think that the Missouri State against Montana State was a great draw for the Cats. I mean, you got all Coach Petrino down there and uh, by all accounts, he's the best of the bunch, which I, I don't know what that means. You know how, uh, how I felt about some of that lineage, but it's uh, UT Martin is also a, a school that clearly is going to have some momentum. Now, you get uh, your first playoff win in school history, and you get to travel to an unknown and play with a little bit of confidence. I mean, that's a huge deal. You know, that's something to not be to not overlook. Uh, this team is probably going to come in with their head, on, their hair on fire, and we'll see what that looks like for the Bobcats. But I mean, I, I agree, Colton, that the Bobcats got seated correctly. Um, I I did think they deserved a seed. They were really close to going into Cat Grizz undefeated, you know. I, I, I thought that they outplayed Wyoming the first game of the season and lost it there on a, a couple different reasons, but a, a really, you know, a kind of phantom blocking on the back calling a turn for a touchdown. I mean, I thought, you know, that, that gave the Cats a little confidence, but I think they were also let down by not winning that game. I thought that was a game they, they, they probably should have won. And then that puts you on a whole different trajectory of when you're going to Cat Grizz and you're not 9-0, not 10-0. Um, you know, it's a whole different thing there. So two losses on the season, nine wins. I mean, it's a really good season for the Cats. I think they're seated correctly. I think the uh, home field is definitely important for them. You know, uh, Bobcat Stadium, it, it gets loud in there. And it, it's, a, it's a great place to play. But I've been to almost every single one of these playoff games the last five or six years. And, and they usually draw a little bit of a smaller crowd. You know, it's usually 14, 15, 16,000. Uh, they don't clip that 21,000, 20,000 that they, they kind of call a sellout. So, you know, that, that's a touch different for the Montana State Bobcats, especially if there's a little involved, which there might be. Home field is definitely a thing in in the state of Montana, and I think it will play that way for the Bobcats as well.
0: Best in the biz, Brooks Nuanas breaking down the Big Sky on the Big Sky Breakdown. You're also listening to this on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Excited for a fun week of football, man. Thanks for making some time for us today.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, playoff football Friday, Saturday, doubleheader, take me to both. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready, man. Look forward to it.
0: There you go, Brooks is Amazing. I didn't even remember what we talked about. I mean, I remembered, but I didn't know if we actually touched on Matt McKay's struggles down the stretch here, but we actually did not So the news of the day, Montana State junior quarterback, Matt McKay, no longer a quarterback at Montana State. He's into the NCAA transfer portal two days before Montana State hosts Tennessee Martin in the second round of the FCS playoffs. He's no longer with the program. He will not play on Saturday. So there's your news of the day is now marches on. We'll give you some more analysis on the McKay transfer as well as some of the other transfers around the Big Sky Conference. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
1: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: Don't look now, but League Play opens in hoops around the Big Sky Conference on Thursday. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. A new era in Big Sky play begins tonight in Missoula for the Montana Lady Grizz as new head coach Brian Holzinger leads UM in his first conference contest. Montana hosts Sacramento State, who also has a new head coach in Mark Campbell. Holzinger most recently served as an assistant at Oregon State. While Campbell was an assistant at Oregon, Campbell was also a finalist for the Lady Grizz job alongside Holzinger. Opening tip from Dahlberg Arena tonight is at 7 p.m. In Bozeman, the Montana State women will look to brush off a tough start filled with challenging road games as Northern Colorado, a team that also has a new coach, comes to town. Tonight marks the opening of the 17th Big Sky Conference slate under head coach Trisha Binford, who is the longest-tenured coach in the Big Sky. During the offseason, Northern Colorado lost reigning Big Sky MVP Alicia Davis, who transferred to Division II Colorado Mesa, along with head coach Jenny Huth, who resigned abruptly and is now an assistant at Oregon State. Tonight marks the Big Sky debut of UNC head coach Kristen Matteo. Opening tip from Worthington Arena is at 7 p.m. And on the men's side, Montana State opens their third Big Sky season under Danny Sprinkle against Northern Colorado in Greeley. Opening tip is set for 6 p.m. And Travis DeCure's eighth trek through the Big Sky at Montana opens at Sacramento State with opening tip set for 8 p.m. Mountain Time. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound.
1: You worry none, your ship just came in So go on and tell your mama, tell all your friends That your new favorite color is John Deere green Hop in this truck, a.k.a. Time Machine
0: One of the funniest songs ever, only because one of our good friends around here, one of my best friends, and also good friend of this show, Mr. Kyle Sample, he loves singing this song. And uh, it's just so funny to listen to him sing it. And I love when he does. I hope that he's listening. Because this one's definitely just for him. I asked him what I should play on the show today, and he said the USC fight song because that's the only thing he says these days. <laughs> he thinks that Lincoln Riley is going to go to USC and go undefeated for like 10 years in a row. And I love it. I love the joy and enthusiasm that he has for USC football. Maybe he's right. It's new on now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. A little country music on your Thursday. Country-themed show today. Crazy news off the top. Matt McKay, junior quarterback for Montana State, into the NCAA transfer portal. This is not sources say. This is not me confirming with my uh, transfer portal uh, gurus. This is straight up from his Twitter account, Matt McKay, out at Montana State. A couple main questions that people are asking right now. One, does that mean he's going to play or not play on Saturday? He is out. He is not on the Bobcat. He's not a member of the Bobcat football program now uh, with this move. And uh, the other question people are asking is who's going to start. I've confirmed with a couple sources here um, during the last commercial break that Tommy Millat, former Montana Gatorade Player of the Year, Butte's Finest, touchdown Tommy, will make his first career start as Montana State hosts Tennessee Martin at 2 p.m., Saturday afternoon at Bobcat Stadium. So big news. It, it, this is where you got to read between the lines, or I guess uh, t- beyond the numbers, I should say. There's always reading between the lines, but you've you got to read beyond the numbers here because Matt McKay, when you look at the statistics, he completed 62% of his passes this season, 2,021 yards, so uh, just a little under 200 yards a game, and he threw 17 touchdowns and just three picks. You pair those statistics with the fact that Montana State led the league in rushing and had the league's leading rusher in Isaiah Fonseca, a first-team all-league running back, you say, okay, McKay's pretty darn good, pretty solid. McKay was pretty darn good for like the first half of the year. You could definitely see the regression as uh, the season went along. He was pretty much uh, money in September, played well against Wyoming, played really well against Drake, San Diego, and Portland State, and then probably had his best game against Northern Colorado. But what I just said there was good games against four not that great opponents. He started to actually struggle against Cal Poly, and uh, even though he, that's again you got to read between the numbers, he was fourteen of eighteen that day, one hundred and sixty-three yards, two touchdowns. But he also missed several throws, missed a couple pretty easy reads. Then the following week at Weber State did not look good. Not really struggled to move the ball whatsoever. Looked like he didn't have much confidence. Really struggled against Idaho State. He threw for two fifty-three and a touchdown against Eastern, but he also missed. Three throws. I mean, Lance McCutcheon led the league in receiving this year at Montana State, and he would have had about 500 more yards if McKay could have hit the deep shots that they dialed. They hit, you know, they probably hit about mm, 10 of them this year. They dialed probably 30 of them, and I would say two thirds of the ones that they dialed, man, McKay missed the throw. And, you know, I'm not trying to pile on here. I think that there's probably more to this story than just a guy regressing and then uh, piecing out, but. You know he's from a long ways away. I've never covered a kid from Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean he's a nor- former North Carolina State transfer, made his way to MSU because of his connection with Denarius McGee, former Bobcat quarterback, and uh, again, guy that's uh, always been a good friend of mine. Uh, but Denarius now at the Houston Texans, and so not having that support of the guy who brought him there probably a little bit different. He's also came to play for Jeff Choate, and uh, then a new coaching staff took over. I think there's some obvious tension and friction between. Montana State offensive coordinator Taylor Housewright and Matt McKay, uh, you could see that, you could hear that in the interviews. Uh, Housewright did an interview last week, and uh, he certainly did not express a lot of. It did not come across as if he had a lot of confidence in his signal caller. So, uh, an abrupt move. Uh, I think a lot of people will will definitely roast this kid for doing this uh, just two days before the playoffs. But all things considered, here's my take on this. Matt McKay was, was shaky all the way through the Eastern Washington win. Matt McKay was straight up bad uh, in the Idaho win and in the Montana loss. Anybody and everybody that watched that rivalry game on Saturday, I uh, it's two Saturdays ago, Washington Grizzly Stadium, I mean, I, I'm not even going to say he was a non-factor, Because he was a detrimental factor. Their inability to throw the ball whatsoever with Isaiah Fonse banged up and the fact that the Grizz have the best rush defense in the league, it wasn't a good formula. Um, So I thought, honestly, that Montana State should have been using – I think they should have been working other quarterbacks in. They have been working Tommy Malat in as a Wildcat quarterback, but not necessarily throwing with him. I think Malat's only thrown five passes this whole year. But uh, it was very clear to me in the play calling and the operation and sort of the, the hesitation in what they they were running, especially after the Eastern game, that there was a break in confidence between the coaching staff and their quarterback And uh, so I think that they were going to make a move and play somebody different or split time at quarterback at the very least during this second-round playoff game against Tennessee Martin. But I also think they should have been mitigating and planning for this uh, earlier on. I think that they should have been maybe giving Tucker Rovig, the senior, some reps in games, especially when they were blowing teams out the first half of the year. Uh, But I also think that maybe a little bit more diversity what they use Tommy Molot for. So we'll see. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is that this is certainly a uh, move that makes waves because of the circumstances. It was a former FBS transfer who led a team to a 9-2 and record and was very efficient throughout the year. Yet, I think that their best move was going to be to go away from McKay in the playoffs, ironically. So this actually might have just solidified what was already going to happen or what was already needed to happen. Pretty tough for a guy to win nine games and 11 starts and then for you to bench him. So maybe him exiting makes your decision for you, makes it easier for you, and now you can just move on. And now here we are, pretty crazy, when Carson Rostat from Hamilton, Gatorade player of the year as a junior uh, several years back, signed with Montana, and then the following year, Tommy Mlott, Gatorade player from Butte, signed with Montana State, I started working on a story about the next uh, Montanans to lead the Montana schools at the quarterback position. There's been a couple guys from Montana that have been uh, quarterbacks at each of the two programs. Only a couple of Montana State, Jake Bleskin, the most recent one, and he was a, a backup to Denarius McGee and Dakota Prukop for most of his career. Did get some starts. Infamously, probably had uh, the worst kicker's start of the, of the modern generation in Missoula, where he threw five picks. And that was sort of a, one of the dominoes that started uh, the, the uh, beginning of the end of the Rob Ash era at Mon- uh, Montana State, but also uh, not a lot of Montana quarterbacks other than that uh, at MSU. And same thing at Montana. I mean, the, the two national championship winning quarterbacks, Dave Dickinson, 95, John Edwards in 2001, both Montana guys, Dif- Dickinson from Great Falls, Johnny Edwards from Billings West, And the Grizz have had uh, a couple others, uh, notably Andrew Sell, who's also from Billings, as well as Brady Gustafs. That's three West quarterbacks for the Grizz. But all that said, I think that there's been a lot of things that have eluded Montana kids trying to play quarterback at the Montana schools. So often they can break in the lineup earlier at other positions because so often they play other positions in high school as well. And I was thinking maybe that was what was going to happen to him a lot because he's been covering kicks. He's been working a little bit on defense, and I thought maybe – uh, that was going to be the spot he breaks in because he is a great athlete. But now, here we are in the playoffs, and it's Tony touchdown, Beauty America's finest. That's going to lead the Bobcats in the postseason. So, the drama, the distraction that Matt McKay into the transfer portal at Montana State provides is a detrimental factor for MSU going into this second round playoff game. On the field, though, McKay seemed to have totally lost his confidence in himself and his ability to perform. The coaching staff, the offensive coordinator, In Taylor Housewright, the head coach, and Brent Vegan, they didn't seem to have much um, confidence left in him. The one thing that's uh, probably a detriment as well to Montana State from a strategic standpoint is the announcement of this puts it, since it's on Twitter and McKay was the one making the announcement himself, this puts it directly in the hands of Tennessee Martin. So now they know, hey, it's at least not McKay. They don't know if it's going to be Malat. I I mean, I'm reporting that it is Malat, so that's going to be out there. But... Um, it is detrimental because there's not maybe they had prepared for McKay and now this is is, uh, out there. So now they know it's at least going to be a different quarterback and likely going to be Tommy lot. So we'll see. Uh, I guess my my final thought on this is that it is a bad distraction. It's a sign of unrest in the ranks at Montana State. It's terrible timing. It's bad optics. All that said, anybody that watched the game in Missoula Matt McKay was, was a disaster. He did not play well at all. Montana State's offense did not play well at all, and part of that was because of their quarterback not being able to handle the environment. Part of that, I think, is also the, just the confidence or lack thereof that the coaching staff instilled in him. So I actually think that if you could remove the distraction, put this to the side, or somehow move beyond this, I actually don't think that it's that, uh, that big of a deal. I actually think that Montana State, all things considered, I think Tommy lot. if Isaiah is a little bit more healthy, I think Tyler Moulin's a way better dual threat. I don't know how he, how he can throw it, but Montana State's not that interested in throwing the ball that much. Anyways, so we'll see, but certainly strange timing and strange news coming out of Bozeman. It's Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. How about a six-pack of beer and a sandwich from Warren's Market? Also, how about some thoughts on Big Sky Conference basketball? Both those next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Is New One is Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio, Missoula. Church coming back for you here on a Thursday. Hope you're having an outstanding afternoon. Cannot believe Big Sky Conference basketball is back, but it is tonight. Lady Grizz, first Big Sky game under Brian Holsinger tonight against Sac State. and a little juicy detail, Mark Campbell, the head coach at Sac State, he's a new head coach. He was at Oregon previously as an assistant when Holsinger was at Oregon State. So those guys know each other from the Pac-12, many battles between those two programs, as well as Mark Campbell was a finalist for the job here at Montana as well. He was on campus and everything. So uh, the two guys that wanted that Lady Grizz job, Holzinger got it. Campbell landed at Sac State. They'll both make their Big Sky Conference debuts at Delburg Arena tonight. Northern Colorado is in Bozeman. Tricia Binford starts her 17th campaign at MSU. Um... And Northern Colorado also has a new coach. Wild that uh, so many new coaches in the Big Sky Conference on the women's side. Kristen Matteo is the new head coach in Northern Colorado. Um, She actually previously coached at Montana State years ago, but UNC a full rebuild. Alicia Davis, the Big Sky Conference MVP from last year, she's out. She transferred. Uh, she is at Colorado Mesa, so... Those are your games in the state. Of course, then, the men on the road at those respective opponents, Montana at Sac State and Montana State at Northern Colorado. So, Big Sky Conference play is upon us. You thirsty? You hungry? We got the perfect solution for you. First and foremost, if you're ever thirsty or hungry or both, just go to Warden's Market. They'll hook you up. They got all sorts of goods, whether it's like specialty cheeses and meats. They got a great section for that. Some of the best sandwiches in town. One of the best delis in town. I like going in there on Thursdays, get a little meatloaf, get a big slice, some mashed taters. It's like eight bucks. It's a great deal. Fill you up, especially if it ever gets cold. It's one of my favorite places to go in the winter. If we ever get to winter around here, it's still 60 degrees in December in Montana. I can't believe what's happening, but head to Warden's Market if you ever need a snack or some wine or some beer. And how about this? We're going to send you there right now. One lucky listener, 406-888-1029. That's 888 888- 1029, call us right now, caller number three. We got a six-pack of beer. Any six-pack you want of your choice and a sandwich, courtesy of Warden's Market. All you have to do is call us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. And uh, give Andrew your name. He'll put you on the list. Go down to Warden's. The great folks down there will help you out. If by chance Mark is there, tell him ESPN Radio sent you. He'll get you. All the goods you need, but if you have any questions about the beer, the wine, the cigars, they're great down there. They got all sorts of stuff going on. One of my favorite places in the city of Missoula. If you haven't heard the dominating and overwhelming news of the day includes Montana State quarterback Matt McKay, the starter for all 11 games for the Bobcats this season into the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, A surprise to be sure. Um, but now Montana State will have a new starting quarterback for the first time this year against uh, Tennessee Martin in the second round of the FCS playoffs on Saturday. So, shocking to say the least. Uh, if you missed, anything, I, I did I did about fifteen minutes on this in the last segment. So if you missed anything, you can find it there. I mean, my take is that actually, I actually think Matt McKay has been struggling pretty pretty hard these last month or so. So a uh, a new starter under center. I mean, it's hard to do in Week 11, but uh, I don't think Montana State will be that much worse for wear as long as this doesn't become a distraction or as long as this is not an indication of dissension under the ranks. If it's if this is just a guy piecing out because he was sliding down the depth chart or, or maybe lost his job or whatever it might be, I just think that Montana State, you know, the, the last three games or so, McKay's just not been very good. So um, I don't think that they are going to be that much different at quarterback. I mean, they'll be different in style, but I don't think it'll be different in quality, unfortunately. So as long as they can mitigate the distraction, I, guess, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Let's talk briefly just for a minute because Mike Kramer, longtime Big Sky Conference coach, to join us here in just a minute. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to give you just a couple things here, and then we're going to get out, and, and we'll come back, circle back around, too. We're going to get plenty of basketball coverage, particularly tomorrow, recapping these games as well. Uh, we are We are kind of tight today. So that, the most interesting storyline for the Sac state Montana game is obviously Holsinger versus Campbell. A couple guys that were finalists for this job in Missoula and uh, landed in this little spot for Montana state. I think being back home will be welcome for the Bobcat women because they've really struggled uh, early out the gates, played some incredibly tough uh, opponents on the road at South Dakota state at UNLV at Gonzaga. So the two and five record, maybe not indicative of a team that does return a lot of talent and, uh, on the men's side, Northern Colorado's going all in on on playing this wide open spread spread offense style. Bodie Hume plays the five sometimes, which gives UNC shooters across the board that makes them tough to guard. So can MSU chase them off the three point line? Because Northern Colorado is definitely going to chase Montana State off the three point line. That's what they do. That's the Jeff Linder slash Steve Smiley system. So uh, that'll be something to watch in that one. That game, by the way, tips at six p.m. So one hour earlier than the two women's games, and two hours earlier than the Grizz game in Sacramento. I'm so interested in the Grizz game, not because of the Grizz, but because of Sac State. Sac State's been at – excuse me, Brian Katz was at Sac State for 14 years. He's the only coach I've ever known Sac State to have. He's no longer there. He retired in the offseason. So where does Sac State uh, go from here remains to be seen. The other storylines around the league, the defending champ on the men's side, Eastern Washington, their whole team left. The defending champion on the women's side, Idaho State, their whole team came back. So I think we have a juggernaut potentially in Idaho State if uh, you know they're not tired of being around each other at this point because that core has been together for several years. So um, can they continue that awesome chemistry? I thought they were one of the really good Big Sky teams I've seen in my 15 years covering the league. Really impressive last year for Idaho State. But on the men's side, seems like the league race is wide open. I mean, it's hard to say that Montana State's a favorite because – They've struggled to be a favorite over the last 20 years, but maybe this is the year. Maybe Danny Sprinkles got them back rolling. Can Southern Utah recapture the magic of a year ago? They got some guys back, including John Knight III, who's got to be a sixth-year senior at this point. And then can Montana reascend to the place I know they think that they rightfully belong and have occupied for quite some time? A lot of different storylines, and we'll continue to hash those out. But Big Sky Conference play underway tonight across the league. Hour one on the Bucks, hour two coming at you. Mike Kramer, longtime Big Sky Conference coach, will join us to give his thoughts on the rivalry game a week ago as well as the FCS playoffs. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio